description of something, and I want to see if you can imagine the word that I have in mind that that that, that would, I guess, be the overall description of what I'm about to give you some detailed items. Uh, let me suggest to you any event that leads to an unstable and dangerous situation affecting an individual group, community, or a whole society. All right, so it could be any kind of an event. Think about this. It affects people. The situation materializes unexpectedly. Decisions are required urgently. Time is short. There can, there can be a sense of loss of control. Pressures continue to build over time. Routine activities become increasingly difficult. Now, what do you, what do you think the word is that I have in mind that is thus described? Well, the word that I have in mind, the word I'm looking for is the word crisis. In a crisis situation, it, it's, it's an unstable time, dangerous situation. It can come up unexpectedly. You have to make decisions quickly. Not much time for you to do that sort of thing. You, you sense that you may be losing control. Pressures build. They keep building over time. And routine activities become increasingly difficult. I think that the word crisis is probably a good word to use relative to all those things. Now notice that this crisis kind of situation could affect a community or a whole society. Uh, and that's sort of the idea that we tried to represent in our background graphic here. You know, maybe civil unrest or something of that nature. And I want to tell you, I think that we're concerned about a crisis of that kind in our day and time. Something that would affect our community or maybe our whole society. I mean, when we think about political unrest, when we think about economic turmoil, when we think about military activities and so forth... We see those as crisis kind of events that could affect everybody. Maybe our whole nation, perhaps the whole world, could be impacted by a crisis along those lines. Now, those are very disconcerting things to consider a crisis at that level. But notice a crisis might affect an individual or a group. And I want to suggest to you that those kind of crises are more common. It's more common to have a, a sort of an emergency situation that affects just an individual or maybe just a group of individuals. That's more common. And so we want to talk about crisis today, probably more on the individual or small group level than on the big nationwide or worldwide scale. But we want to talk about dealing with crisis today. In the face of crisis, what should we do and so we're going to try to answer that question uh, in our study uh, this morning. What do we do in times of crisis? We stop here just briefly to thank you for being here today. We've got a beautiful Lord's Day morning in Middle Tennessee. Uh, we are blessed right here in Murray County to have the, the, the privilege of coming together on a beautiful day like this and join together in worship to God. Thank you for being here to participate in that. We appreciate you very much, and, and we hope that our time together this morning will be an encouragement to us all 
and also be a glorification to God that he'll be pleased with our service on this day. What about crisis? What should we do in times of crisis? I want to, I would imagine that people who do not share with us uh, a, a moral and spiritual basis, they might react to crisis in many different ways, but we're especially interested in how should we, as the people of God, how should we react when we're in the kind of situation that we were just describing? How should we act in times of personal, small group, or even large-scale crisis, what should we do? Well, I want to start out by talking about something that we talk about quite a bit, and that is prayer. We need to use the powerful tool of prayer. We mention it a lot, but I think there are real reasons to be concerned that in our personal, private lives, we don't use prayer as faithfully and as effectively as we should. When there's crisis... We should pray. In the text that Joel read for us earlier from Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious for anything. Now, stop there just for a minute. Do not be anxious about anything. Wouldn't that maybe express especially times of crisis? I'm worried about everything. All Everything seems to be falling apart. Everything's going wrong. Uh, nothing seems to be right. What do I do? Well, don't be anxious about that. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think it's interesting that Paul says, if we will not be anxious, but approach God with everything that is a concern to us, we will be able to enjoy a sense of peace that other people won't ever understand. So here are the people of the world, they're dealing with crisis in their lives. But they don't, they, they don't have a relationship with God. They're not privileged to approach God in prayer. We are. Therefore, don't worry about these things. Don't, I think probably some newer translations would say, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And if we do that, then we are promised that there is a peace of God which will come to us And that's what we need in times of crisis. So prayer certainly would be a very valuable tool in these circumstances. A passage that we refer to a lot, and and I hope I don't weary you out by referencing Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, but just so impressive to me. The Hebrew writer says, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice, grace to help in time of need. I'm in crisis. I have a personal crisis going on in my life. Maybe there's a, there's a, there's a crisis in the local church. Maybe there's a crisis in our community. Maybe it's a nationwide crisis or a worldwide crisis. We need help. What do we do? Well, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy, and grace to help in time of need. So when we're in these crisis situations, we have an open invitation to come to God and ask for His help. That is amazing. Now again, I think the crisis that we deal with most often is not just on the big worldwide scale. It's more in my own personal life, in my spiritual life. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do right. Maybe in my family life. Maybe in our congregational life. There's 
a crisis of one kind or another. And God says, I invite you to come before my throne and get grace to help in time of need. That is a wonderful promise, and that's an amazing thing. So I would argue there's a, there's a great starting place. What should we do when, as we were saying earlier, that we're in an unstable and dangerous situation, and it seems to keep getting worse? We almost feel like we're lo- losing control, and maybe our routine activities are becoming increasingly difficult. What do we do? Pray about that. Pray about that. We should use prayer more and more. Let me suggest, secondly, that we need to keep a proper perspective. And the reason why I'm stressing this is because I think it's very possible. In fact, it's likely, almost, almost a, a, a natural reaction in the moment of crisis to let it seem like it is all-consuming. I mean, uh, it is everything. You know, in, in the fable about Chicken Little, the sky is falling was Chicken Little's proclamation. The sky is falling. And everybody became hysterical about that report. It's very possible for us to sort of hysterically react to the things that are going around, going on around us. Oh, man, it's, you just can't imagine. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it's political developments. Maybe it's economic developments. Maybe it's, maybe it's various things going on in our country. But more likely, it's things going on in my life, and I'm just completely overwhelmed by the things going on in my life. The sky is falling. Well, in the big picture, whatever it is that's going on right now is just a temporary thing. It may be just something temporarily troubling me in my personal life. It may be something temporarily troubling in our nation's life. But it's all temporary. This, too, will pass This was the Apostle Paul's perspective. And, of course, I think we'd all agree that the Apostle Paul dealt with lots of crisis in his life, in his own personal life. But notice how he viewed it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory... While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There's the key. How would you summarize Paul's perspective on things? Even as he was dealing with tremendous issues in his own life, crisis, if you will. He said the things which are seen are temporal. These are just temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. He had that view. He had that perspective. And that's the way we need to see it. We need to see whatever it is, whatever trouble or crisis we're dealing with right now, this is temporary. This is not going to last forever. And so if it's, if it's something going on in our nation or in our world, we need to see it as it's just a temporary thing. It's not going to last forever. Uh, if, it's, if it's a problem, maybe... Uh, that's got the church engaged. Maybe it may be a problem, congregational problem. It's, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. If it's in my personal life, if it's in my family life, this is temporal. This is not, this is not the end of all things. This is all temporary. Heaven is eternal, and we've got to keep that perspective. These things are temporal. Heaven is forever. In Mark chapter 8, you remember Jesus asked the rhetorical question. What shall it profit, Mark 8 verse 36, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you see 
I mean, if, if you had to give up everything, it'd be worth it for your eternal soul. The only thing that ultimately matters is our own soul's salvation. That's what Jesus says here. and we, we understand it to be true. And that being the case, then we've got to keep everything else in perspective. And in, in respect to our eternal destiny, all these things are not that important. Keep that perspective in mind as we're dealing with crisis. Well, in association with that, then, let me suggest that we need to maintain our priorities. And I, I really believe that this is a, a, a proper follow-up to the idea of perspective. Get, keep your perspective, and then, with, with that perspective in mind, do not abandon your priorities. If I, if I, re, if I truly realize that all of this that's going on, all this trouble, all this crisis, if I really understand this is temporal, it won't last forever, this will pass. If, that's, if I understand that then, then certainly I would, shouldn't allow these temporary things to force me off track from my spiritual priorities. i got to keep first things first. So I, I see things in the right perspective and then I do not let temporary things change me from my eternal goals and priorities. I I will not get distracted. I will not be sidetracked. I'm going to maintain my priorities right on throughout this crisis, whatever it may be. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul said, set your mind on things that are above. I want to start with this. Set your mind. Make up your mind. Get this set. Have, Have this, have this Set in concrete. This is not going to change. Set your mind, what? On things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Make up your mind. Determine your priorities. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus spoke of a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. No earthly crisis can touch our treasure if our treasure is in heaven. You see that? So what's a safeguard against all this turbulent trouble in the world? What's a safeguard against all the crises that may pop up in my life, in our community's life, in our church life, in our nation's life, in the world? What's a safeguard against all the crises that may come up? Well, if I've got my treasure in heaven, then nothing can approach that treasure. Nothing can take that treasure. Nothing can cost me that treasure. If I've got my treasure here on earth, on the other hand, you know, other, you know, the stock market could crash. The banks could fail. There could be a great world war. And any prosperity that I have accumulated, I, I could be destitute of it all. Uh, you, you've seen those people before, you know, in, in wartime scenes. And, and uh, they're, just, they're just struggling. There, there Maybe a line of these people just walking, trying to get away from the war. And they've got everything they've got on their backs. They've given up their houses, their homes, all their prosperity. And, and literally, all they've got is what they can carry in one sack. Well, if that's my total treasure, 
And I lose it all. And all I, all I can salvage is what I can put in one sack and carry it out. My treasure has been destroyed by this crisis. But not if my treasure is in heaven, you see. And so, in the time of crisis, keep your perspective and maintain your priorities. That's going to be a big help, right? Let me suggest to you that in times of crisis, you need to stay connected with God's people, too. Uh, In times of crisis, it is especially bad to be alone, or at least to feel alone. And I want to keep emphasizing that when we talk about crisis, we're not necessarily talking about a crisis like in our background graphic here where there's tremendous civil unrest, war, fighting, all of that on the big scale. It could happen. It certainly could happen. We've got to be prepared for that. More than likely, though, the crisis in my life is going to be my own. It's going to be something going on in my personal life or in my family's life or maybe in our congregation. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a lot more confined. Typically, the crisis we deal with is going to be a lot more confined. But I'll tell you, whatever the crisis may be, in a time of crisis, it's really bad to feel like you are alone. There's a, there's a tremendous need for support, for help, for encouragement. You do not want to face a crisis without someone or someones who can be there and you can lean on them. David commented about this in a famous statement in Psalm 142, beginning verse 3. And the context of this is when David was being pursued by King Saul. You remember King Saul was trying to kill David. And David, actually, they think when he wrote this psalm, he was hiding out in the cave, trying to keep away from Saul and his army. David said, my spirit was overwhelmed within me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but no, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Oh, man, you talk about a sad expression, a very discouraging expression. No man cared for my soul. David felt all alone. I tell you, that's terrible. That's a terrible description. And may it never be so of us. And so when I'm dealing personally with crisis, I need to reach out to my brothers and sisters in Christ for the kind of support and help that's needed in a crisis. We have a great resource in one another. Let's use that resource. Uh, let it not be so that no man cared for my soul. I tell you, on the other side of that coin, let's be ready to reach out to, our, to those that we know and that we love and we see them in crisis. Not only should I seek that help, but I should seek to be ready to give that help also When people are in times of crisis, let it never be said by any of us. I felt like no one cared for my soul. The Apostle Paul, as strong as he was, needed the help and support of others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he says in verse 5, When we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Stop there for a minute. Stop right there. Would you agree with me that Paul has just given a very fitting description of crisis? Paul was dealing with crisis in his life. Our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. He was dealing with crisis. What happened? Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. Titus was the one who came and relieved that crisis that Paul was personally dealing with. And I'll tell you, we all need a Titus from time to time. 
And so we ought to look for a Titus who can help us when we need it. And we ought to be the Titus who can help others when they're dealing with times of crisis in their personal life. And so in times of crisis, stay connected with God's people. Finally, let me suggest just never give up. Never, ever give up. If we all, if if every one of us gave up at the first sign of trouble, well, I'm talking about giving up on serving the Lord faithfully. If we give up on serving the Lord faithfully at the first sign of trouble, I'm going to tell you, none of us are going to make it to heaven. If we give up when crisis comes, we're, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it individually. We're not going to make it congregationally. We're just not going to make it. If we're the kind of people who give up just as soon as trouble is on the horizon, we're not going to make it. And so we can't give up. Don't ever give up. We've been studying on Sunday mornings in the book of Hebrews. And we just recently covered this text at the end of chapter 10. The Hebrew writer says, You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. We are not of them that draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so so the Hebrew writer is saying here, basically, you've got to be patient. You've got to endure. You've got to stick with it. Don't give up. And then, of course, comes chapter 11, the very famous Hebrews chapter 11 that we were studying in our class this morning. And after he has gone through a long catalog of faithful people who endured through crisis in their life, What does he say? Chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, And and I think, and we'll talk about this as we get to it in our study here of of this particular section of Hebrews. I think he's talking about all those Old Testament heroes of the faith, but not only them, also people, their own contemporaries who were faithfully serving God. A great cloud of witnesses. We're encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses. People dealt with trouble. Your trouble's not worse than anybody else's. People have dealt with trouble and they stayed faithful to the Lord. Never give up, even in crisis. That's what we've got to do. These people dealt with crisis successfully. And we can as well. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says, Resist the devil firm in your faith. Look at this. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. The same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by brethren who are in the world. You are not the only one who has ever dealt with what you're dealing with. Your situation is not unique. You know, sometimes it's so easy for us to be consumed with self-pity. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Really? You think? No, that's not true. The trouble I've seen is common to everyone. The, the issues we deal with are being dealt with by others in the world. The, dish, the issues that we deal with have been successfully endured by other faithful people of God. And so we need to know that. Hang in there. Don't ever give up. And so what we do when there's times of crisis, crisis is a bad thing. And as we said earlier, you know, it's, it, we can certainly see signs of it in, on the big scale, maybe community-wide, nation-wide, our whole society troubled by crisis. And, and, there's, and there's real concern that 
times in our world are bad and could get worse, not diminishing that at all. There's, there's legitimate reason for concern. I'll tell you what's certainly more likely is that in my own life, in my own family, in our own congregation, we're going to deal with crisis from time to time. It just happens. It's always happened. It's going to continue to happen as long as this world stands. There are going to be events, dangerous and unsettled, unstable events, as we said at the outset. Uh, very often they come up unexpectedly. Uh, we have to act urgently. There's short time. We don't have a lot of time to, to act. Uh, we may sense a loss of control. Pressures will continue to build. Routine activities become increasingly difficult. That's crisis. Crisis is a reality in this present world. We're going to have to deal with it. And I hope we've made some points this morning that will help us all in this reality because it is a reality of life in this present world that we will deal with crisis. Thanks for listening. hope it's helpful uh, as we consider these things. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, please consider your life and your standing before God. You're not prepared to deal with what's coming if you're not, first of all, a Christian. Uh, because we know what's ultimately coming is death and judgment. If you're not a Christian yet, you're not, prep- you're not ready for that. And so prepare for those certain eventualities. Obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sin. If you've not done that, we hope you'll make that decision. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithfully serving the Lord, then you're really not ready. You, you, you will not be in good stead to deal with the crises that come in life. You certainly won't be prepared for judgment if you're a child of God, but you've not been faithful. We urge you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.